Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors blog. I'm Asuma Jonathan. Today's lesson is entitled Acts 3, Stewardship of Life. What is the value of life in today's world? There are many interesting stories of rescue attempts to save people from danger that illustrate the deep feeling we have of the value of life. I once read an account of a ship that was wrecked on a rocky coast of England. The captain and crew were all drowned, but the ship's boy managed to reach a rocky shoal and cling to it against the beating waves. Several boats were launched from shore in an effort to save the boy, but one of these boats was lost in the wild sea and two of its members were drowned. It's interesting how it is completely natural natural for us to do this, though it seems irrational when we take a step back to think. Why endanger the lives of 20 people just to save one life? The American military has a motto that says, no man left behind. There have been rescue attempts made to save a stranded soldier where a hundred lives have been risked just to save one person. Why do we do this? Because God has instilled in our hearts a natural awareness of the preciousness of life. But sadly, because of our sinful, self-centered nature, we are seeing a decline in the value of human life. Why do women have an abortion? Is it for the unborn baby's sake? Certainly not. It is because they don't want the child. We're going to think about the stewardship of life from today's text. Acts 3 verses 14 and 15 says this, But you denied the Holy and Righteous One, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Within those statements are all types of failure Peter lists as to stewarding life. The people didn't condemn the murderer, who should have been put to death according to God's law, but instead they condemned Christ, who was actually their creator. The word stewardship describes being made responsible for something that doesn't belong to us. So, there's always an element of accountability with stewardship. At some point, the owner is going to return, and I'm going to have to return what has been entrusted to me and show whether I have kept it well, or maybe there's some damages to it now. Life is a stewardship. None of us created his or herself. None of us encouraged our parents to produce us. None of us played a hand in our entry into the world. At some point, as our minds matured, we came to understand that we exist. Yet, we did not bring ourselves into existence. God did that. At a foundational level, then, we see there's a need for us to realize our life doesn't belong to us, and there's going to be a reckoning for how we lived. Peter tells us that we killed the author of life. As stewards and appointed guardians of life, we see mankind has totally failed its mission of safekeeping life. We have come up with all sorts of standards and measurements for rating which lives are more valuable than others. The beautiful people are more valuable than the ugly. The talented are more valuable than the dull. The rich are more valuable than the poor, and so on and so forth. 
We justify belittling some lives because of our own corrupt perspective. But why is human life considered so sacred? Why is it a great tragedy to find a dead person hit by a vehicle on the side of the road, but a matter of small consequence to see a dead animal lying beside the road from the same incident? It's because of the value God made us with human beings. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. The way man first corrupted his stewardship of what God had given him was when he followed the lie where Satan said man could be like God. This is where you always find the failure in stewardship. It is when the steward does not care for and honor his master's property, but instead decides he wants it for himself. Peter says we denied the holy and righteous one. Jesus told a parable to illustrate this reality with the unbelieving Jews. In Mark chapter 12, from verse 1 to 8, we read, And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the winepress and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. This is exactly what Peter was saying the Israelites had done. The heir had come, who was Jesus, and they had killed him. They were actually responsible to give him an accountability for how they had guarded and proclaimed God's truth, which he had not revealed yet to the nations, but only to Israel. Instead, they said, we don't want this man to rule over us. What was the penalty for this? Jesus continued in the parable from verse 9 to 11, saying, What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. God gives this command for stewards in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Our most so-called churches carefully stewarding God's truth? In my experience, I would say no. One example is asking people in church what the gospel is. If it isn't a good Bible-teaching, discipling church, and those types of churches are uncommon these days, you most likely will hear different explanations about what the gospel is. Peter notes that we are witnesses to the truth. How can we bear witness to what we have not witnessed? 
Think about that expression of bearing witness. It denotes giving testimony about something you know. And supposedly you know it because you have experienced it. Think then about how many false witnesses testifying in the name of Christ there are. The prosperity teachers, the self-righteous who say salvation is based on works, the liberal ones who say we can live however we want since we're saved by grace and not works, etc. These are all types of false witnesses to the truth. They have not stewarded what God has revealed. They've neglected truth themselves, and they lead others away from it. How is a person brought to eternal life? In James 1.18, it says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. It's the truth that shows the way to eternal life. God says this is the reality of our life in Christ. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, we read, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This brings us full circle to what I said initially. We don't own ourselves. We belong to God. The Bible says in Romans 14, verse 7 and 8, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Interestingly, this statement comes in the discussion on different matters of conscience, where people have different opinions about certain things. Paul gives an example of one person eating all foods, and another abstaining from eating certain foods. He tells us we're not to partake of what offends our brother in front of our brother. Our former nature revolts at this type of sacrifice. I shouldn't have to choose how I live based on somebody else's conscience, should I? Well, that's the reality now for us, because we are not our own. We are sent to be the ambassadors of Christ, wherever he has placed us. We used to live for ourselves, but now this must take place, which is described in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. How are you stewarding God's gift? 2 Corinthians 9, 15 says, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. God bless you all.